God, you're limited in the success that God can have in your life. He said that. I didn't say that. He said that. I want his success ruling and reigning in me. How about you? So tonight, last week we talked about, we talked about all three of these statements um, two weeks ago, and then last week we talked about mainly just what we don't have. And tonight I want to talk about pe- people that meditate, um, or no, l- last week it was what, uh, what we don't know, this week is what we don't have. And statements like, I will never, and you can fill in the blank. I will never have enough. I will never this. I will never that. I will never. And the devil wants you meditating on I will never in, an, in, the, in a negative form instead of med- meditating on everything that he has given you. And that's what, that's what we're just simply going to talk about tonight. And I've made this statement, and I'm, 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 I'm not satisfied with what I've the, the with, with the statement that I've made and then my explanation, so I'm going to spend more time tonight explaining what I mean by it. But I've made this statement in the last two weeks, that you're either going to be led by the promises of God, or you're going to be led by your unrenewed mind. I'm going to say it like that tonight. You're going to be led by other information that is not of God. So, if you're being led by the promises of God, then you're actively renewing your mind with His promises. And what are those promises? Your activity of renewing your mind is changing the way you think. And when you change the way you think to think like He is, then you are a recipient of those promises. Promises are for everybody. God's no respecter of person He's a respecter of developed faith and confidence in Him. That's what He respects. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Not that God, it's not impossible. God is good with you for the rest of your life, just like you are. He's good with you. But what pleases Him is for you to live on earth like you're already in heaven. That's what he wants. And to do that, you have to be promise-minded, constantly promise-minded. And I made this statement in the last couple of weeks, and I'm saying it again. There are no conditions attached to the promises of God. If the Bible says, by his stripes, you were healed, there are no conditions attached to that, to the promise itself right? But there are conditions attached to how I receive that. And you have to, it's a really good thing for you to separate the difference in those two. I'm going to say it again. There are no conditions to attach to the promises of God. Have you ever seen a bumper sticker that said, God said it, I believed it, and that settled it? That's a lie. No matter whether you believe it or not. If God said it, done. Done. And you've got to believe that. And the more you believe that if God said it, it's done, the more you're going to believe that it's done for you. 
I'm still not satisfied with that. We've got to still stay on that the rest of the evening. So you're going to hear me repeat that again and again and again and again. I'm going to say it again. There are no conditions attached to a promise of God. There are over 7,000 promises in the Word of God. More than 7,000. I don't know how many exactly, but there's more than 7,000. And there's not one condition tied to any of those promises. Because if God said it, and that's the way it is, then that's the way it is. The conditions are all tied to how you and I believe. And so tonight, in looking at, instead of meditating and talking and thinking about what we don't have, that we tonight look at through the promises of God, everything that God has done for us, everything we have because of what Jesus accomplished. How's that sound? Good? Woo! Glory to God. I like it even if you don't. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled. What does that mean? There's no strings attached. You have an inheritance in Him that is from Genesis to Revelation. It's yours and mine. He paid the price for it is what it says right here. Incorruptible and undefiled. And it does not fade away. And it's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What's the last time? Right now. And it's been the last time for over 2,000 years. Because he called it the last time. Jesus called it the last time or the last days a number of different times. These are the last days of the, world, of the life of the church in the earth. And he said, all of these are reserved for us in heaven. Jesus brought heaven to earth. Heaven is a real place. But the existence of heaven lives inside of you and I through the person of the Holy Spirit that Jesus enabled to live inside of us again. His choices at Calvary, the the, the choice of the Father to give His only Son, the choice of the Son in the Garden of Gethsemane to choose you and I over Himself. He said, Father, if there be any other way, not my will, but your will be accomplished. So his will and the Father's were different because of what he was experiencing and going through, but he chose Father's will. And when he chose Father's will, he chose you and I. And this passage right here, Peter's talking to us and telling us he's already done this. Think about it. If there were conditions tied to the promises, then every time something happened in your life that looked like it was impossible, he'd have to go back to the cross. 
eh, ain't going to happen. He's not going back down. He's not coming back up. <laughs> he's up and he's staying up. And wherever he is, me too. Hmm? Wherever he is, there I am right under him. Connected to him. Connected to what he did for me. For you. For us. Can you say amen to that? Woo! Glory to God. What are we doing? We are meditating. Not on what we don't have. We're meditating on what we do have. What he has given to us. Mm. 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 1 Peter 2 and verse 24. Who himself... Big H, himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes, by his stripes, in other words, we, you and I, we are healed. The word there is were healed. So if we were, we are. And there's no strings attached to that. It's not how many Hail Marys or whatever it is that you do that's going to make you righteous enough. He made you righteous enough. And He healed your body, and by His stripes you were healed, right? No conditions to that promise. The conditions are all to how you and I believe. How we learn to develop a trust and a confidence that what He said it's so. What he says is more real than how I feel, how things appear to be, and then the fact that he gave me the, as we sang the song, he gave me the authority of that name to command certain things to be the way that they're supposed to be. You and I have to learn how to develop that. We have to learn how to stay with it, how to maintain it, and live that life like there is no other days. Live it in, in the fullness of today. And when tomorrow comes, repeat it again. And when the next day comes, repeat it again. We have to develop a lifestyle of living in the fullness of God that he's talking about right here. He paid the price for you and I. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. <clears throat> Paul says here, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'll read it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father that gave us Jesus, that gave Jesus for us, right? Bless His holy name, who has blessed us empowered us already, already. He has blessed us, not will bless us, not when we feel like it, not when it looks all right, not when it looks like all my ducks are in a row. No, he has already. That's where your and my meditation needs to be on what he already has done for us. That's my meditation every day. Just as he chose you and me in Him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Well, Pastor, you know, I'm just not holy enough. No, He called you holy. No, He already made you holy. 
If you're not holy, you're not walking in holiness, it's because you're not choosing to develop what holiness is. Holiness isn't, you know, never saying a wrong thing, never doing a wrong thing, never having a wrong attitude, never having a wrong thought. That's not holiness. The Bible said, be holy as he's holy. Don't be holy like you think is holiness. Be holy like he's holy. Right? And holiness is living a separated life, learning how to live in the midst of the things of the world, but be separated by, from their control. Did you hear me? You're not going to, if you're trying to run and hide from things in the world, you'll lose. You can't run, there's no place to hide. Hmm? Well, you know, maybe in Montana somewhere, like on the back, no, 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 they'll find you. Huh? The ugliness will find you, I promise you. It will find you. It'll hunt you down. The, the ugliness. If you're running from it, it'll hunt you down. No, what God wants you to be is a holy separated person that's able to confront it eyeball to eyeball and let it know, I win. You're not overtaking me. If that was easy, everybody would do it. That means there's a lot of blood, sweat, tears, things, emotions, things you've got to get over and learn how to work through. This didn't happen because you confess six scriptures. You confess the word to change the way you think, and the more you change the way you think, you begin to change your actions. In the seed of the word is the power for you to overcome. Everything I'm reading right here reminds you every day of what his promise says instead of how you feel or the way things look. We can't get away from that. I'm going to say it again. There's not one condition that is tied to a promise of God. So I can read that promise. I can meditate on that promise. And that promise in itself, as I make it a part of my life, can change everything about me. The power for you to overcome is in the seed of the word itself that you believe. I'm going to prove that to you in in a few verses. Let me finish this Ephesians one. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Pastor, I just, you know, I, I just don't feel like that God loves me and has accepted me because you don't know him. He's already accepted you. He already loves you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care. I don't even, you know what? In the natural, I, I don't even need to know what you did. I mean, if you, you want me to talk through something with you and you need to tell me certain things, that's fine. You, you know, and we'll work through that. And, and we'll get on top of that situation. But I don't even need to know what it is. I'm telling you, he's already accepted you, and he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Man, that's a win-win right there. Because the world will tell you, well, you, you, you know, nobody's going to love you. You're this, that, or the other because of mistakes or things that you've made. Who hasn't made mistakes? Who hasn't made mistakes? And the person that's trying to weigh out the mistakes, and these are worse than these, they've got more stuff behind the curtain. They're trying to justify themselves to make themselves feel better. What God is looking for is somebody to just be honest, 
gut honest and be able to deal with where they've been so that God can empower them to, to change the future so those things that have been a hindrance will be a thing of the past. Old things passed away, everything's brand new now. But we've got to replace all this other stuff that's affected our lives with the promises of God. They have to be the replacement. You're not going to just get over stuff. You have to replace what's hindered you in the past with what's new today and in the future. And it has to be the promises of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Colossians 1 and verse 12. Paul says here to the church at Colossae. He's saying it to the church here in Kerrville. Giving thanks to the Father. This is part of the prayer of Colossians 1. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. We're qualified to inherit everything that God has given us, and His inheritance is His promises. I'll say it again. His inheritance is His promises. So the more you know about a promise of God, you know that that belongs to you. Anybody ever inherited anything from family or somebody? Anybody ever received an inheritance? I have. And when, you, when you've received something like some monetary thing in the form of money that you weren't expecting. Um, anybody ever frown over that? No. I mean, wow. Huh? That, that, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to receive that. Huh? I'm going to, I'm going to, that's going to be mine. When I just read that, <laughs> everything that's his is mine. Right? See, when you cut covenant with, with somebody, everything that's yours is theirs, everything that's theirs is yours. Through the blood of Jesus, we've cut covenant. You're born again, you've cut a covenant with God, and everything that is yours is his, and everything that's his is yours. <laughs> huh? And 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 he qualified me. I've been qualified. To be a partaker of this inheritance. And you know what? Ephesians said, I was qualified before the foundation of the world. Before Adam and Eve were even thought about, you and I were qualified. I mean, that's how, see, that's how, you see, if you believe that because it says it, that's a promise. The fact that you and I were taken care of and redeemed before the foundation of the world, that's a promise. And if you can believe that, then, man, if you believe that, how could anything else be difficult? He had me covered before I was even thought about. Before the foundation of the world, He redeemed me. He liberated me. He qualified me. All that God is and has belongs to me, and the more you believe that, you'll never worry and fret another day of your life. Worries, different worries and fretful issues and things crop up 
the more you stand in faith in trusting God, more stuff will come from different directions to try to get you to worry and give in to that. But when you know that before the foundation of the world, he qualified you, he set you up, he redeemed you, he liberated you, he already had, he already had our redemption set up before Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. I mean, that, 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 that's, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about believing something that goes beyond, way beyond your natural mind. How could that be? I mean, it takes a while to develop a belief system for what I'm just telling you right now. I, 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 why would God set up redemption before the mistake was even made? Talk to the hand. Talk to him. Ask him about it. I don't know. He just said it. I mean, I've got several reasons why I believe that's so, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. All that matters is, do you believe it because he said it? Um, years ago, <clears throat> there, were, there was a group of people, like, you know, operating around the church and church people and stuff, and they were trying to make it out as though that the Bible was not valid. You know, that you couldn't, um, you, you, you could only believe the Bible so far because it wasn't relative enough for today. That was a book written and, and by people of a different time period. And so there were people trying to prove that the Bible wasn't, it just wasn't valid. And, and you, you know, to put your faith in something that, you know, you have, you know, you, you don't have any evidence that these things are, are, are true and absolutely true. And, you know, that's a lie in itself. I mean, every, so much of the Bible's been proven. It's been proven by scientists. Worldly scientists have proven that the Bible is true. And, and many of the worldly scientists were out to prove the Bible wrong, and they got saved. <laughs> Isn't God good? But, but, the, but during this time, this is probably 25, 30 years ago when I, when I paid any attention to it. They're probably still around. I'm just not paying attention to it. But when I, when I was paying attention to it, I, I, I began, I, I remember thinking in my mind, I was thinking, you know, the thought came, could that be true? You know, Am I believing something? I remember having the thoughts. I never, I never verbalized it, but I remember having the thoughts. Could that be true? So there's all kinds of things today that you hear, and your mind says, could that be true? The reason I know what's truth and what isn't is because, I know this is an iPad, not just a Bible, but the Bible that's in my iPad here that I spend many, many hours reading, studying, and developing my faith and confidence in God, that's truth. And so I believe that it's the truth, and you can't talk me out of it, and I'm not going to sit with you and reason in the Valley of Ono and, and talk about those kind of things and, and, and discuss the fact that uh, maybe the Bible's not true. I'm not doing it. You can, and, and you know, 
For some people, they need to research it far enough for themselves to where they can be convinced of it. But the reason I don't have any problem with anything I'm sharing with you is because I believe everything I'm sharing with you, or I wouldn't be sharing it. I'm not saying I believe it like I need to believe it, because the Bible says, if any man thinks he knows anything, let him think he knows nothing as he ought to know it. So we need to continue to grow in revelation of what the Word is actually saying to us. But I'm telling you today, this is truth, and if he said it, done. Man, you don't have to go and, 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 and get 14 different confirmations and get everybody to believe it and all this other kind of stuff. No, no, no. If it said it, it's so. But what really matters is, is it producing fruit in your life? That's what really matters, okay? Because you can have an attitude towards someone else. I'm open to receive anything that is truth even if I don't totally understand it. If it's truth, I want to know it. So if somebody shares something with me, I can hear it once, and they share something with me, and it doesn't go with what I feel like is truth, okay, I'll set it over here. I mean, they were convincing about it, and I want to see, I want to see what the Scriptures say about it, but you got to go find it out for yourself to make sure that what that said was actually truth. If it's not, you need to cast it aside. Anything that I say, anything that I'm talking to you about tonight, that's why I use so many scriptures. I've had people say to me, ah, Pastor, you use a lot of scripture. Yeah, but I have to. I can't just give you my opinion of something. I've got to give you scripture to be able to go and check it out for yourself to make sure that it's truth. Because the word is truth. How many believe that tonight? Amen? Oh, so I, I didn't finish the Colossians. Colossians 1 and 12 giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be, the part, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us. Everybody say has. Yeah. Has. He has delivered you. Say, I am delivered. Doesn't matter how you feel or anything else. You are delivered. You have to begin to think like that. You don't deny issues that you have or that you're dealing with. You don't, you don't lie that it's not there. You know, if, if, you're, if you're in literal, literal prison, if you were in literal prison today because you did something bad or wrong to another person, and you're in literal prison, okay? And while you're in prison, you get a hold of something like this, and you begin to thank God that you're delivered. When, when you break the law, there's a price to pay. How many know that? But how many know that even if you break the law, okay, that there are times when God will remove something that is there that is just and right? You will pay the price. You choose to leave here tonight and go down to the convenience store and shoot the clerk behind the counter. I'll come pray with you in prison, but, uh, but you're going, right? Right? I mean, we can pray all night long. We'll, we'll, do a, we'll have a prayer. No, we probably won't. <clears throat> we'll just come and encourage you in, in prison. You know? if, if you're going to do that, if you're going to do that, you're going to pay the price for that. But while you're in prison, and the fact that you got a whole lot nothing else to do in prison, and you begin to declare the Word of God, and you begin to see what He did for you, yes. and you begin to get liberated in your life. 
You know, you, you heard uh, there was a, a, somebody that murdered a number of different people and went, was going to the electric chair. Well, for the last seven years that that person lived, they got born again, spirit-filled. They began to preach the word in prison and all that kind of stuff, but they still went to the electric chair. You, you understand? Why? Because of what they did to other people, right? Jesus forgave that person, and I promise you, that person got born again, no matter, no matter the hellacious things that that person did. That person's in, in, in heaven, and you have to be able to understand that because he's true to his word no matter what, no matter what we've done. But that doesn't mean that gets me out of things, well, you know, God will just get me out of this situation. No, especially when he knows if he got you out of it, you'll find yourself right back in it. Mm-mm. But there's no end to what the seed of the word can do in an individual's life and the favor that it can bring to an individual. So we just choose to believe that. How about you? How, how many are in agreement with me tonight? We choose to believe that, that we are delivered, right? Something that may not send you to prison, but still keep you in a really ugly place in this life. I am delivered of that. I don't want any more of that. I don't want to be controlled by that. I am delivered. And that's what it says right here. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. And that's what it does. The darkness is what does that. And he's conveyed us transformed us, one trans, uh, translation says, into the kingdom of the Son of His love, mm. in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins. We already have those things. They're already done for us. So no matter where you're at in life and no matter what you've done or how you've not embraced those kind of things, He's already, see, there's no conditions to those promises that I just read right there. Not to the promise itself. But how many people do you know that's not working for? They're not, they're not actively seeing their lives liberated from the, the darkness of the enemy in their lives. They're not seeing that happen because they're not actively developing a lifestyle of declaring the Word of God on a day-to-day basis. The entrance of His life, uh, the entrance of His Word brings light and life. And what does light do? The reason you, you and I can see each other in this dark room in here, if, we, if I had Becca turn all the lights off right now, we couldn't see each other at all because there's no windows in here and there's no light coming in from anywhere else. We couldn't even see each other. But when the lights are turned on, what does it do? It dispels the darkness. And that's what he's already done for you and I. Glory to God. Can you say amen? <clears throat> so, what I said earlier, the fact that There's no conditions tied to the promises of God. There's no conditions. But there's conditions tied to how we choose to believe the Word of God. Let that go deep in your heart and in your thinking. Um, Hebrews 4.2 says this. For indeed the gospel was preached to us on this side of the cross, as well as them, meaning the children of Israel, on the other side of the cross. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Do you see the promise in that verse of Scripture? The promise is that if you mix faith in what you hear, you can receive and profit 
from the Word of God. Everybody say profit. You will profit from the Word when you learn to mix faith with what you hear. So see, you can hear this Word tonight and do nothing with it. It will not profit you. I mean, yeah, you heard some things and and you got some things rolling around in your head, but if you don't take the time to get it from your head to your heart, it won't profit you. I read this, we've read this a lot even on Sundays here lately in the last probably three weeks, but it's Proverbs 29, 18, and he says, it says this, where there is no revelation, the the, um, Amplified says, where there's no redemptive revelation of God, no vision also, then, then this New King James verse says, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law or the word of God. The person that keeps the word. You hear the word, then you begin to meditate the word. You begin to confess the word. You begin to develop a lifestyle of that word being a part of you. You begin to pray the word. You begin to be a doer of that word in times when natural circumstances and situations seem to be one way. I'm learning to be a doer of that. But, but I'm learning to get in the whole process of what we just mentioned. We've taught that a lot through the years around here about that five-step process. You're hearing the Word of God like you are here. Or you hear it on CDs or whatever. You're hearing the Word preached. You're meditating the Word of God and allowing that meditation go, to go from your head to your heart. You're learning to take what you're meditating on and put, and put it in your mouth and let it come out of your mouth. So it comes back into your ears so you're hearing yourself speak the Word of God, right? And in the seed of that Word is the power to overcome the obstacles and the hindrances and the things that come against us. From the confession of the Word, we learn how to pray the Word, and then we learn how to become a doer of that Word, Right? It, it, confession of the Word of God on a day-to-day basis, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily change your circumstances today. It changes the way you think so that you be, can become a doer of that Word in a given situation that changes your circumstances. And we have to understand that. And we have to make that a part of our lives. And that's why he said here, where there is no redemptive revelation, The people cast off restraint. People get tired of hearing the Word, meditating the Word, confessing the Word, praying the Word, becoming doers of the Word. People get tired of that. After a while, you know, man, I've been doing that for a while, and, you know, I don't see any results, and, you know, I just think it's a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, and I don't don't really like it, and I don't don't think it really works, and, and people just get discouraged. The Bible says if you don't quit, you'll reap. And one thing about this is great about the Word of God, the Word of God doesn't talk about how pretty that this walk is. It doesn't have to be pretty. In fact, it's kind of ugly sometimes. But if you just don't quit, you'll reap. I said, if you don't quit, you truly will reap. Amen? And, and how the Word of God goes, and I'll end with this verse, how the Word of God goes from from the word preached to redemptive revelation is only one way. There's only one way for the word 
to go from the logos of the word to the rhema of the word. There's only one way. Everybody say one way. Only one way for the word to be in your head and then get down in your heart. There's only one way for it to travel there. And there's nothing that you can do to make that happen that's apart from what he tells you to do. And it's found all through Scripture, but it, it, it's, you know, we want to go to the Master and listen to what he said about this, found in John 14 and verse 25, 25 through 27. He said, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. This is before, right before he was fixing to, to exit. Um, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. You have to be taught redemptive revelation. So, I'm teaching you the Word of God tonight, but you have to be taught by the Holy Spirit from the Word of God that you hear preached, or the Word you hear preached, and we just read it, won't profit you. He called him the teacher. Say this after me. The Holy Spirit is the true teacher. And I'm not, just, I'm, not, I'm not just saying that like, you know, trying to be humble, you know, and not take credit. You can't take credit for something that's not going to work. I can't teach you what the Holy Spirit can teach you. Nobody can. Nobody can teach you the Word for your life like the Holy Spirit. But, he said, faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes from the Holy Spirit by the Word you hear preached. Uh, Romans chapter 10 said it's the word that you hear preached. He set it up for you to come and hear the word preached and then take what you hear preached and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal what he really wants you to see about these verses of Scripture for you that will liberate your life. Right now as I'm preaching the word, this word will minister to everybody sitting here if you'll embrace it. But you know what will happen? Dale will get one thing, and even his wife will get something else. huh? And then Joey will get something else. If you're opening yourself up to it and you're receiving the word preached through me, then you are in positioning yourself for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you redemptive revelation from this word that will liberate your life. Where there is no redemptive revelation of God, the people cast off the restraint that the Word brings to their life. It restrains you. It holds you in line. It holds, the Word will hold you in line with what God's will is for your life instead of you straying and just being flippant about it and just do whatever seems right or feels right. No, we've got to learn how to do it His way. I'm going to read this passage real quick. I'll just read it all through. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now, how's he going to do that? I wasn't there. Were you there? Any of you that old? We weren't there that day. 
and, and during the times when Jesus walked on the earth? How, how is he going to bring to us remembrance of the things that he said? <laughs> By getting into the word that he spoke. So it's like we were there. Hmm? I'm telling you, <clears throat> we're going back to Israel. But the two times I've been to Israel, man, I mean, somebody told me, man, it'll change your life. Man, it'll change my life, you know. Some piece of land's not going to change my life. It changed my life. Literally changed my life. I encourage you to go when we go. I encourage you to put your name down and go. It's a supernatural trip because when you're there and you know the word, it's like you were there. I mean, it, 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 there's something about it. How many people have been to Israel? Anybody in here? A couple of people? Okay, yeah. <laughs> but there's something about it that literally changes the way you see yourself in the Scriptures. It, it just does. I, I mean, I, I've been there twice, and it's done it both times. And, I mean, I, I get chills when I think about it. It's a supernatural thing. Now, if you never go to Israel, it doesn't mean you don't know who you are and experience things that I'm talking about right now. And, you know, you can, like when we got back the last time I went, we showed tons and tons of pictures, and people got excited about that. We were supposed to go in, when was that, February of 21, and it got axed. But we're going back. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. We're going back. Anyway, so he said, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Because you're working on the daily routine of allowing the Word to be a part of your life. He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Do you see a promise in there? No matter what comes against your life, you have not only peace, but his peace. Wow. The peace of Jesus is mine. That's what he said. So, I never have to be without peace. Can you say amen? amen? You and I don't ever have to be without peace because he gave me his peace and his peace will take care of everything. Philippians says there's a peace that passes your understanding that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's His peace. It's His peace guarding your mind, empowering you to be able to overcome anything you face. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we invite you to share it with someone in your life. We would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also download our app and stay connected to Gates and access to the Word of God anytime you need it. We are believing that the seed of today's Word is going deep in your heart and that you always remember God is more than enough in every situation of your life.